You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We got a special edition of, I think, what we would call Chalk Talk today. We've got our good buddy, Mike Wall, uh, obviously former NFL 11-year vet, offensive lineman, played for your Green Bay Packers, now doing great work over there at ProcessToPerform.com and the On My Block podcast uh, that you can find on YouTube under Process, the number two, Perform. Mike, how you been doing, man? Clint, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, absolutely. It's always a pleasure, man. We always learn so much when you come on. Uh, you know, we're we're sitting back here watching the tape like a bunch of nerds, and uh, I'm excited <laughs> to have you say, no, you're wrong on that. So here we go. Um, first things first, just wanted to kind of get your take. Uh, obviously, coming off that Raiders loss there with the Packers, um, tough loss. It was just I'm, – I'm tired of saying it, Mike. There's so many games this year you feel like, man, they could have won that game, but – you, you just, you know, at the end of the game, it's the scoreboard says otherwise, right? But I want to get your take on both the offense and defense. And so let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of popped out to you? Because I've been watching your videos, obviously, every one of you posts there on my block and and kind of breaking down the offensive line play. And, and uh, man, I'll tell you, watching some of the sifting with the split flow and then, like you had pointed out so many times, you know, having the rookie tight ends on, on Max Crosby and, and other things, it's 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 frustrating, but I'm trying to make some sense of the whole thing. But good, bad, ugly. How do you see this offense right now, man? What's what's sticking out to you the most, Mike? Well, I, I did a show this morning, and so I started doing the because re- I don't I really don't follow the numbers. I just I just like watching tape and whatever whatever kind of pops up on that. You know, if it's verified by some of some of those stats and whatnot, that's great. If not, that's fine too. But <clears throat> I think we're like. 27th overall in off. I mean, we, we, we average 281 yards on offense and like the middle of the road is like 320, 322 or something. So we're like 40 yards behind average. And to put it in perspective, the dolphins are almost at 500. The Eagles are almost at 400. So you just think of like where, okay. So that doesn't necessarily translate to points. We average 22 points a game. Granted, we got 38 against the bears. So you can take it up with a grain of salt. And we haven't been very good as of late. But 22 points a game is top half of the league. It's not where you want to be, but it's not terrible. But we just you start thinking about why is like why are we not doing what we want to do? Well, you you don't run the ball very well. You're 80, 81 yards a game, which is woeful, woeful for a Green Bay pack for a team that prides itself on the dominant on a very very high functioning offensive line and, and has drafted running backs extremely well, going all the way back to Dorsey and those guys. It's shocking that they can't move the ball better on the ground, and there's a number of reasons for that, which we can we can talk about. But then the other part of this is 
I think everybody had the expectations that, okay, you know, we've got all this talent, even though some guys are young, we have David Bakhtiari, we have Aaron Jones, we have Rashad Gary, we have, you know, we have Kenny Clark. We have people in the building that have been there, done that at a high level. And so they're going to be able to bring up the, and elevate the play of some of these other guys. But you've had a Hall of Fame quarterback for 30 years. And the the quite frankly, like you cannot operate in this realm of, you know, we talk about, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here, but we talk about draft and develop. Oh, the Green Bay Packers are draft and develop. Green Bay Packers are draft and develop. Goody's a draft and develop guy. Okay. We were a draft and develop guy with Mike Holmgren because Mike Holmgren was, was a teacher and his staff, Andy Reid, all, all those guys that you know, household names are teachers. They were literally teachers. Yeah. And they didn't have Brett Favre. Brett Favre wasn't Brett Favre when he showed up. Okay. <laughs> and then Brett teaches Aaron how to play ball. And Mike, and Mike Sherman was part of that staff. Mike McCarthy, for all that you can like or not like with Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy is an old school fundamental football coach. Yep. He's going to teach you how the fundamentals. You're going to do things the right way. This generation of coaches and players, it's not, this isn't draft and develop. You haven't had to draft and develop since Aaron Rodgers became quarterback. You know, we can wow. sit there and use that. We can use that, but you really haven't had to do it because every single year you're in Super Bowl mode. And this is the first time where you really have to make sure you draft to the right guys, which we could start talking about on defenses. Have, have they always been first round picks, always deserve first round tags? <laughs> and have you developed the talent or, at, at the level that is required? to win when you don't have a hall of fame quarterback. And and that's what we're dealing with in a, in a probably overstated nutshell right there. Clayton. It makes sense. It makes total sense. And, you know, immediately <laughs> what I think of when you say draft and develop, and then you talk about this current coaching staff and, and not to bash anybody, mm -hmm. everybody's got their place. And obviously they know way more than I do about football, but it's, it's exactly back to the comment that you said on the last time we, we had a conversation. You know, it, it works on the it works on the chalkboard, right? It works on the board. It should work on the field, and it just don't work like that. And, you know, the the thing that I'm noticing the most, Mike, and I'm just going to kind of jump into it, I went back and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's wrong with this run game, right? And early – and you correct me if I'm wrong here. Mm. Early in the first quarter, running a lot of inside zone, right, and just kind of taking the ball down the field is the way it looked to me. A little bit of split flow. Nothing crazy, no pulling guards, nothing. You're kind of moving the sticks. It wasn't beautiful, but, you know, three yards here, six yards there, three yards here, move the chains. And then the next thing you know, everything just kind of goes nuts. You've got sifts going every – when I say sift, you know, like split flow, the, the tight end coming across the formation post-snap. And, and I'm going, who else is doing this? And, you know, last year you ran a lot, of, a lot of jet motion from under center. This year they seem to be wanting to – Mimic that jet motion, but using it out of the pony package and shifting Christian Watson to the pony package, double sidecar and the gun, that type of thing. And you've got these guards pulling like on one play, Runyon gets completely cut off because Musgrave gets beat inside and jams him right into Runyon, right? Mm -hmm. As he's trying mm -hmm. to pull left. Mm -hmm. um, another play you had, uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, Dontavian Wicks, rookie wide receiver. His responsibility was to crack down on the defensive end and that cut everything off. And I'm just looking at it going, all right, what is the 49ers doing? And I know the 49ers lost. They lost Christian McCaffrey, George, or whoever else they lost there, and that Debo Samuel in that game. But I go back and watch their tape, and this is what I came up with, Mike. 35 plays from the 49ers. They only ran three sifts. Now, they're accomplishing, I think, what they're trying to do with the sifts out of the, you know, with the split flow type of look is they're doing pre-snap motion and getting that tight end in position before the snap rather than him, you know, post-snap. Um, they had three jet sweeps from under center. They had zero snaps from the pistol formation. I'd like to get your take on pistol and how you feel about that. Mm -hmm. And they had zero plays out of those 35 plays where a guard or any offensive lineman pulled at least one gap over, right? And then yeah. you look at the Packers' first 25, you had 10 sifts. Mm -hmm. You had zero jet sweeps under, under center, mm -hmm. three pistol formations, and you have four plays where the offensive line was pulling at least one gap over. Am I wrong thinking – we just need to get back inside and outside zone and stop with the pull and stop with the sifting. Am I over overlooking something there? Uh, who's doing the? Yeah, you're overlooking who's who's the motion guys for the San Francisco 49ers versus who's here? Yeah, very. They've true. got George Kittle and Kyle Buschek. Who do yeah. we have? Exactly. I mean that that makes that Kyle George Kittle and Kyle and and Juszczyk make make their offense go. We mm -hmm. talk about all the other players. 
Trent Williams is amazing. The rest of their offensive line is just okay, by the way. I mean, like I know their coach. Their their coach is a a zone guy, and he's very, very creative. He's a very intelligent human. Um, They run, use checking Kittle. And listen, if you go back and watch last year's San Francisco 49ers tape, and then you watch the league this year, everybody's just following what they're doing. We're doing the exact same. We're running the tight end on lead inside, inside of the tackle. We're running. We're we're lining up the the tight end off split, bringing Deguara in motion, and having them run the counter play. You know, those are the two lead block. Like everybody's doing the same stuff that that those guys are are, are creating over there. What's happening is you don't have the people that can execute those blocks. So there's kind of two things here. The first, as you pointed out, I think very well, is that if you put Mace, uh, Max Crosby is going to be the defensive player of the year. Or at least he's 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 going to be one of the the, fi- the three finalists. Yeah. If you decide that you're going to put a tight end with his hand in the ground, and you're going to have him base block, cut off, whatever, it's probably not going to work because your <laughs> your offensive tackle can't do it. What makes you think your 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 tight end can do it? So that's kind of problem number one. Okay, so how do you take care of that problem? Well. You put that tight end in motion. You have the tackle run at the at Max Crosby, and you say the tight end's got the inside half, so we're going to run like a slip call on the move. It, it, you, we ran it once. It worked. We didn't run it again. On the backside, if you want to run a B block, which is a, a guard-tackle combination up to the linebacker on the backside, and you want the tight end to cut off Max, and you know that he can't do it, you just have to make a call. Tackle block back. Tight end goes around, and he and he ends up being part of the B. I mean, all this – like, these are play, these are adjustments – for good players that you have to make, but you can't just go into a game and say, well, you know, this is a tough block, but you're going to have to get this one done for us. Got it. Oh, and they go, like, what's the tight end's going to say? Like, no, I don't have it. I can't do that. Yeah, I can't do it. (laughs) And, and so what happens is because for the San Francisco 49ers, as an example, like the stuff that they're doing isn't unique to their offense anymore. It's not like they're not doing a bunch of one-offs. Right. All of their stuff is based on all this different motion and, you know, creating space and creating and creating width in the defense and creating uncertainty by the defensive ends, outside linebackers, creating uncertainty with the safeties. So if you're not doing that as part of your offense, and this is what I, what I think is the real kind of issue right now, is that when you look at the, the last game, they're like trying to prove a point with the running game because the game before Matt LaFleur's out there, like we got to establish a run and they don't run the ball for the first six plays of the game. It looked, they look silly. Like, you know, you're talking to both sides of your mouth. So it's, it looked like they were coming in, like we're going to run the ball no matter what. And then you go, okay, how does this marry up to what Jordan Love does well in the passing game, to what our receivers do well in the passing game, to what adjustments you're willing to let him make at the line of scrimmage in the passing game? Those are the questions that I start asking because as you game plan these teams, you usually go, okay, from a personnel scheme, from an individual standpoint, like where can we attack? What running formations are we going to use to attack it? And then how does that marry up with our passing game and the stuff that we want to get done there? Like you've got to build it out of something. And I don't know if they're building out of the passing game or the running game. I've historically always done it for the running game. But regardless, you have to make sure that those two start looking the same so all of the stuff that you're doing can have multiple answers depending on what formation you're in and what defense they show up on each particular snap. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it it was tough because you you listed off all those great players, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, um, Trent Williams, all of them. And when I turn on the tape of the 49ers, what they're doing seems simple. It's it's just a zone blocking, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and pre-snap motion, getting that extra body, that extra hat count across the formation where you're running. They, they seem to run a lot of strong side. And what I've seen with Green Bay, you had kind of a – you had the hat count matched on the left side – you sift Deguara over opposite side, and now you're running into a minus one hat count. And I'm, I'm going, are they trying to trick them? Of course, even the direction that the sift goes to, Max Crosby beats him to the punch, like you pointed out on your pod, where you know he knows Zach Tom's not blocking down on him. He's going for the the yeah, uh, this guy's watching tape, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And I, and I'm, you know, part of me feels like okay, <clears throat> like you talked about before, great offensive line can do anything, right? I don't think we would say this is a great offensive line, obviously. So it's just uh, it's a little bit frustrating. I want to ask you something else, too, from your time playing, especially in Green Bay, because uh, a staple in the West Coast offense 
has always been scripting the first 10, 15, 20 plays, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. And I wanted to ask if you experienced that, and the reason being is because it came out last week that a, a local beat reporter, I won't say his name, it's not a big deal either way, he said he corrected someone and said, no, Matt LaFleur doesn't script the first 10 or 15 plays. He has opening ideas, but they don't actually have the play scripted. Um, was that something you experienced, or did you guys always have a script of the first you know, 10, 15 openers? When you, is that true? I, see, that's according to him, and he's in Green Bay, right? Mm -hmm. And he's a very prominent, you know, radio host. I, I, I should just say his name. I mean, it's out there. I've already shared it. Jason Wildey, who does a show with Mark Towser. I right? know Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jason said it, and I, I, I can't imagine. I, yeah, if he said it, it it's true. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's interesting. So here, here's what I'll tell you. Guys have 10, first 10, first 15, right? But you don't necessarily follow the script. Like, the, it's – it's okay. This is what we want for a second, third down. Or this is how you know we think the players are going to go. These are the four. What they're trying to do is they're trying to see how you're going to react to certain formations, personnel, and and, and motions, because they want to make their adjustments as fast as possible. If it's you know if your second play is second and one, then the play is probably different than if it's second right. and twelve. And so you don't fault like you try to get all those plays. Here's what I'd say about Holmgren and Sherman, and and, and Ray Rhodes. You're probably going to see 13 out of the 15 plays at some point in the first quarter. You're probably going to see them. If you're going to run 15 plays, 13 are going to be the ones that are, you know, unless you take it down on the goal line, you get in this weird situation. Mm -hmm. But they're going to try to run those plays because they want to see what the team's going to do. And so I don't really think it's that big of a deal if Matt's saying, well, listen, I want to get in, I want to get in pistol, I want to get in shotgun, I want to get under center, I want to run two by two, I want to run three by one, I want to run the Indian package, I want to run the cupboard package. You know, like I don't think it matters what the play is for him as far as the execution of the like the specific play is it 93 blasts is it 94 belly it doesn't matter what formation are you in how did they play defense towards that because then we can gather a lot of information um going back to something you said earlier talking about offensive line you know i was talking about some, i had like five questions to ask on, on the pod this morning five questions for packers coming out of the bye week and one of the, you know, this, a lot of this stuff, as you know, like you start watching tape and you watch, we watch, I think we all watch a lot of stuff on the Packers and other teams, but you start coming to these conclusions. You watch like the San Francisco 49ers. And one of the conclusions you have to come to is some of these teams in the National Football League have guys that can win single blocks and some don't. And when you think about like the Niners, it's like, well, I know Trent Williams is going to probably win a single block. Lake is probably going to win a single block. Kittle's going to probably win a single block. Yusek's probably going to win a single block. Like, you start, okay, who on the Green Bay Packers right now, because Bakhtiari's out, who are you like, they're going to win their single block eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten. I don't know that there's, maybe you say, maybe you say Jenkins, maybe. I don't know that you say that there's anybody else that even is close of literally just, okay, I got to I gotta reach a, a shade at center. I got to reach a three technique at guard. I got I got to be able to cut off a four on the backside of a tackle. I I got to cut off a seven technique at tight end. I got to drive block a tight I a six technique at tight end. I don't know that you have guys that can just single block. So when you say you know we're not we're we're pulling and they're not or, or we're running this and they're not, it's like well they can do that because they got guys that move people off. The, you can move humans off the ball. If you can't move a human off the ball, you're really playing from behind the eight ball, so to speak, because you you basically have to get doubles or you have to do everything in your power to get guys turning sideways. And usually that's through these all these different motions and trying to create these leverage situations. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So they're they're trying what they're trying to do is gain a plus one because they don't have the they don't have the uh the horses to to win those singles more well or not even if it's a plus one you're just trying to like you're always just trying to put yourself in an advantageous here's a, here's ideal situation for Green Bay Packers right Let's say they just run on weak side and they run on a, they run to, they want to run a lead and they're going to take a, a tight end or a fullback. Okay. And instead of being like an eye back, they're going to motion that guy across the ball. Why? Because when he enters into the B gap, for example, and let's say there's a, a two I and a five. Mm -hmm. Okay. If there's a two on a five, just picks that in your head. So there's a guard center combo mm -hmm. right up to the middle linebacker. And now you can lead with your tackle can come off the ball like he was shot out of a cannon. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that defensive end stays in his way, now he is going to move him or turn his shoulders and get him to run to the sideline. And if he comes inside, 
Well, your fullback now takes care of him, and it happens like this. Like, it happens fast. It's a mesh. It's <laughs> not he can win one, get ready for the other, and win the other like he used to in, the, in IBAX. So what they're trying to create are these situations where everything feels like a natural double team. That's when you see like this, a lot of those successful plays that they, they'll try to motion a guy play side and insert somewhere. It's so they can run successful scoops and slip blocks because otherwise the players aren't coming off the ball in a manner that is really going to move that person off the spot. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. We got a super chat here. Uh, this is a uh, Sheev Berger says, I'd love a fourth or a fifth for Cordero Patterson. Um, I don't know how you feel, Mike. And thank you so much for the super chat, Sheev. We appreciate it. I don't, I just don't see the running backs as the issue right now. I know we've been banged up with Aaron Jones. When I see AJ Dillon, I thought AJ played a lot better this last week. Um, I just, I don't see it as the running backs being the issue. Am I wrong there? Or do you, how do you, how do you see that? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones being hurt was a big deal. Um, I think that the issue with like, uh, the issue with AJ is AJ runs really hard. And so AJ turned like a negative one gain with like 700 pounds on his back into a four or negative one lost into a four yard gain. The issue with AJ is in the national football league, you have to like, there's moments in games. There's certain plays that, that, that make the difference in the game. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. And if you miss a cut, if you miss a gap, if you miss a hole, and a three-yard gain could have been a 30-yard gain, or, you know, a, a 10 yard gain could have been a touchdown or a, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. There's, there's like a multiple effect on those things. If you miss like in he, in this game, he missed two or three of those then Aaron Jones probably doesn't miss quite frankly. And if, and if Aaron Jones is in the game for those two or three plays and he gets another 40, 50 yards, all of a sudden, like you don't feel terrible about your running game. Right. right? And it's literally just the same amount of carries, same situations. A guy executes it a little bit differently gets out the back door and, and, and gets 40 extra yards in a game, 30 extra yards in a game, you're over the 100 mark. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. The offense runs smooth. You don't have to put you know Jordan Love in, in disadvantageous situations. So while I think there's a lot of meat on the bone from a production standpoint in the, in the, in the running, like run blocking in particular, I, I would say that you should see a substantial improvement in the next four weeks, not only because – of the teams that we're playing, but because hopefully Aaron Jones is healthy. Gotcha. Gotcha. We had a question here from Goose in the chat. He said, surely they must watch the practice. Uh, these guys must be able to execute the plays in practice because you wouldn't call something you can't get done, but come game time, it crumbles. Um, I think that's an interesting question, Mike. You know, obviously they practiced this all week. Now it was a little bit of a, a little bit of an odd situation. Obviously, they were expecting Aaron Jones to go, so the game plan was probably geared around him, right, all mm -hmm. week long. And then Saturday, they said he tweaked it and couldn't go on Monday. So I imagine the game plans for the majority, the majority of the game plans probably already installed. But uh, what do you think about that question there? Do you, I mean, obviously, they wouldn't practice something horrible, right, and then just bring it out and say, okay, we're going to play this in the game, we're going to run this in the game. What do you think's happening there? Is it just their? I, I kind of, I'm going to be honest what with you. What do you think the intensity level of practice is? Oh, see, that's the problem, Mark. With today's CBA, right? I mean, like it's just well, no, no, no. Oh, oh, so there, that's it. That's an easy, that is an easy excuse for teams and players. Ooh. 
all right. Talk That's to him. Okay. Okay. So listen, preparation is the most important thing that an athlete can have. The confidence that comes from preparation. Now you either are going to externally determine the intensity level by, Hey, we're in full pads. This is full go, or we're in no pads. This is walk through. The coach can make that determination. Okay. But there's gotta be something within you from an in- intrinsically that I'm going to create as high an intensity level as I possibly can for myself by playing as fast as I can, by picking up as much external information as I can pre-snap, by making as many decisions as I can pre-snap, by communicating with my teammates pre-snap, by changing up the snap counts, by making sure that my detail and my footwork, my bend, my pad level, my coming in and out of cuts, whatever it is I do, I'm going to do it at, at such a high detailed level that it looks like every play looks the exact same. My, I look like a, like if I'm an offensive lineman, I'm a robot. Like my footwork is so perfect in uniform. My body position is so uniform. I'm, if I'm a defender, the way I fit into the run game is I look like a robot. It's so uniform, regardless of where the guy's coming from. If you're not practicing at that intensity level, if you don't have that attention to detail, then you're not going to, the coach can't make you do that. I mean, we could talk about, yeah, he can, he should, these these are grown men getting paid money to do this. If they're not going to do it, like it's going to be hard for a coach to make him do it in this current environment. Mm-hmm. And this is where, for me, you look at this team and you go, okay, what are they really lacking? Well, they lack, they lack attention to detail. And who are they missing? Well, they're missing Bakhtiari. They're missing Mercedes Lewis. They're missing Alan Lazard. They're missing um, Adrian Amos. Okay, They're missing guys – who you would say are the consummate professionals on the team. Some of those guys are Hall of Fame-worthy players, if not Hall of Fame-worthy professionals. And so when I look at this team and I go, okay, we're like, we're missing, we're missing checks. We're, our footwork's poor. I pointed out Elgin Jenkins twice on like two weeks ago or maybe last week mm-hmm. for like just having good footwork. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it was like, I, I had to stop myself because I was like, oh, I'm actually – I'm actually praising him for doing exactly what he's supposed to. Like, this is not the bare minimum by any means, but this is just kind of like, yeah, what you're supposed, this is what it's supposed to look like. And we don't see it very often. So for me, when I hear those questions, I always look back and remember that like, if Amon Green was running a screen in practice on a Friday when we didn't have pads on Marco, Mike Flanagan, we were 45 yards downfield blocking the last guy. Right. And I know it's old head stuff. Like I get it, but it was, that was part of who we are and how we prepared. And so if you're not willing to prepare that way, you can't really, and I'm not saying they're not, I'm not a practice, right, right. but I can tell you what it looks like in game day and I can draw those conclusions. Got it, man. That's yeah, it's tough to handle. It is. And I know coach LaFleur is catching a lot of, uh, a lot of heat right now. Um, it just, he, he seems so scheme oriented. I don't know, man. It's just uh it's a mess, Mike. It's a mess. It's frustrating. They made a, they made a statement. Or some, I, I, listen, I hear this stuff secondhand, as right, you guys right. can imagine, right? So was, I, somebody told me something to the effect of, he said, it's nothing that our scheme can't fix when he's talking yeah. about the defense. And I just went, that is a very, that is a very player-friendly statement, and it's also damning. Because for right. me, those schemes aren't designed to lose. Now, when Preston Smith gets caught because you're in base defense and they invert the wide receivers and he's in the slot against Devontae Adams, it literally happened. The Broncos Chiefs game, the exact same thing. It happens. Yeah. It just happens because that's what happens when you run a 3 4. Right. Okay. That's, but, so everybody can get off that problem. Like that just happens sometimes. You want to check out of it, fine. Preach, Mark, please. Yeah. Preach. So that's like one, like you get, if, okay. So in 70 plays, they have to go one way or another. Let's say you win 35 of them, you yeah. win. 10 plays because of scheme, you win 25 plays because somebody got beat on one-on-one. Like you get beat individually or you win individually far more than than there's a scheme breakdown. And so we talk about scheme because it, because in a, in a vacuum, all the players are just athletes that can do all the same stuff, but that's not true. Run fits matter. Uh, the the biggest play of the game last week for the, in the running game for Josh Jacobs, they run a kick play that every team in the National Football League runs 
we're playing off coverage, so that's a scheme issue. Mm-hmm. But then Jair Alexander doesn't get to the line of scrimmage and tries to make that tackle five yards past the line of scrimmage when Josh Jacobs is already running downhill, can't make the play. He runs for like 40 yards. That yeah. is a play that you see, I don't know, seven times a game, every single game in the National Football League. So if you're not fitting that right, that's not a scheme fit. Yeah. Like you you might be in the position, in, like you don't want to be because you're eight or nine yards off the field, off the, off the line of scrimmage because of the coverage. But the reason that you didn't fit has nothing to do with that scheme. You just didn't do your job. Yeah. You didn't you didn't run fit the way you're supposed to. So don't sit here and say the scheme can fix it. Yeah, it can help put you in a better situation. You can fire Quay Walker on a full on when they bring a fullback in, you can fire him into the gap and force him to play on their side of the line of scrimmage, which is a great idea, by the way. We've been talking about it for, for a year. Yeah. We could talk about all that, but you still have to make plays. Right. You still have to be fundamentally sound. You still have to win your matchups. So I I I when I hear that, man, that's like that's the one thing you shouldn't say to somebody who's played at that level, because we're like, you got to teach us how to win, man. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to draw this up and I'm going to, you know, maybe that's a wide receiver deal where it's like, you know, if we crisscross these guys, he's going to do this. And you're going to be wide open. But like the best wide receivers in the world. Right. They they like beating the dude that's in front of them. Like they take great pride in like, oh, I, I got to play Jay Alexander this weekend. Oh, bet. OK, like it's yeah. the matchup is what I'm looking for. I want to win. Right. So you can talk about all that other stuff. Put me in good positions to win. Still have to teach me how to do my job at the highest level. Got it. Got it. Yeah. We actually on our chalk talk episode, we highlighted that very play where Jair comes down and misses the tackle. And and what did you, do you remember that play specifically in, yep. in Rashawn Gary, how he, he kind of took he his inside in the, in the yeah, he inside. Was that, was that a negative, would that be a negative mark for Gary? Do you think he played that right with that jab step? Well, so, so he, he squares up the, the tight end clearly is in control and Josh Jacobs faints inside. So he, right. does he react early? Should he react as he's going by? You know, probably, but what you usually say there in a situation like that, is someone's got contained. Yep. Okay. Someone's got the C gap. Someone's got contained. It was obvious that nobody else had the C gap. Got it. So, I mean, I was kind of looking at it that way. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So when it comes to this defense and we'll, we'll kind of jump over there. Uh, I don't know how much time you got. You tell me when you're out of time, but defensively, I, I felt like they took a step forward. Granted it was the Raiders, right? And the Raiders aren't, I don't think anybody consider them a great football team offensively, although they do have Devontae Adams. They have Jacobs, who was arguably the best running back last year um, in the entire NFL. I felt like the defense played pretty good. Now, some of the negative marks I've seen that Jair play, right? Um, Darnell Savage uh, coming down when when Garoppolo completes that ball in triple. I don't know if you consider it triple coverage or not. There were three defenders there. It's like Savage gets to the ball, and he forgets what to do when he gets to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rasul playing out of his mind right now. I think he's playing really, really good. He's the one, Mike, when you talk about – I think what you were saying here, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it kind of feels like a little bit of a culture issue with the, with the Packers. And when I see Rasul on the field, his play backs it up. You see how passionate he is. You see how frustrated he's getting when Keyshawn Nix doesn't jump the slant. You could tell they specifically schemed up that play. Um He's the one that I'm kind of like him and Rashawn Gary. They're the leaders of this defense right now. It just kind of feels like that because they're the they're the most passionate. They're probably two of the hardest working. They seem like they're mentally prepared for the ball game. Um, what do you think's going on on defense? Do you think they're finally taking a step forward, or do we got to step back and go, "Hey, look, it was the Raiders." Well, half the teams in the league aren't very good on offense, right? And, mm-hmm. and so you look at the next four weeks. And I believe they've got they got the Broncos, the Vikings, the Rams, and the Steelers. All of those guys are terrible at running the football. Hmm. So you look at it, you go, okay, so they played the Detroit Lions and they got the break speed off them because that's a really good offensive line. That's a good offense. Quarterback's playing at an MVP level. Yeah, really is. So, so, so if you're if that's your litmus test, we're not there yet. Okay. Can, so is there room for improvement? Absolutely. But, you know, the reality is, I think you're like 14th or 17th in defense overall. Um, and you're you're about to you're giving up way too many yards in the running game, but you're about to play these teams where again it's kind of one of those get right games that you yeah. go, I, I should be pretty good here. And so we didn't hold Josh Jacobs to his average. He got more than his 56 yard average or whatever it was. Like his average was so low that they're never gonna jump over. Right. <laughs> but you still, you know, you held him under hundred yards 
and as a feature back in an offense that's not you know not playing very well right now. And so now you have these next four weeks to kind of get those numbers kind of back to like a normal statistic because I think the problem for this this defense is twofold. One, you have these really high expectations. Obviously, you have all these first-round draft picks, and whether or not looking back in 10 years from now, if you go with all these guys were first-round caliber draft picks, that's a question for somebody else, not me. Right. But you have you have a lot of talent on defense that hasn't necessarily played up to snuff. Um, Rashawn Gary coming back and getting more and more snaps is only going to be better for this team, clearly. But what I would love to see, when you're just specifically talking about getting really good on defense, put people in situations to be successful as often as possible. And, and there's two things that, like, if, if you have time, I'll just kind of – I talked about this a little bit on my podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. When Ray Lewis lost Tony Saragusa and Sam, and Sam Adams and they went to a 3-4, he wasn't Ray Lewis anymore. Mm. He was no longer, you know, this guy who was un, you know, untouchable because guards could get up on him now. Brian Waters made AFC Player of the Week. Brian Waters, the left guard for the Chiefs, got AFC Player of the Week because he beat the brakes off Ray Lewis so bad in, in, in a in a Chiefs uh, Ravens game like Monday Night Football. An offensive lineman, an yeah. offensive lineman got AFC Player of the Week for the job he did against Ray Lewis, and it was just wow. very simple. Brian Waters benches five hundred pounds. And Ray Lewis was was all of a sudden he didn't have a he didn't have a three hundred and fifty pound dude in front of him so he had to fight off blocks. Yeah. He got and he evolved and got better at it because he's Ray Lewis. But my point is, you have to ask yourself the question: Are you are you calling what you know, or what we're good at? Are you calling what this these this personnel is good at, or what? We, Kenny Clark is going to look back at his career and say, "Man, I was really good." And he's going to look at his, back at his statistics and he's going to go, I'm better than my statistics show. And you're going to go, well, why is that, Kenny? Well, because I played nose tackle in a 3-4 for a long time and I could have been a penetrating three technique. Like, you you know, you see what I mean? Like, yeah. we're always we're always living on both sides of the sword. It's like you want to be good at either of those things, really, really good. Then sometimes you got to make a decision based on the best players on your team, what makes the most sense. You know, when like Justin Tuck, do you remember when Justin Tuck went into the, the Super Bowl against the Patriots and started playing three technique in, in nickel situations when he played for the Giants? I remember that Super Bowl. I don't remember him specifically playing. Okay. They played him at three tech. So Justin Tuck completely changed the game of football. With, I should say the Giants. Hmm. But they had Michael Strahan and, and uh, O.C. Amendora. Yeah. And, Amendora. and so they were playing defensive end. And Tuck was a young guy. And so they went, hey, Logan Mankins is an all-pro left guard, but I know that he can't deal with 6'5", 285 pounds of Justin Tuck because he's just too good an athlete. So they put in their Corvette package, whatever they called it, into the Super Bowl, and nobody was prepared for it. Mm. And Tuck got a couple sacks, harassed the quarterback all day, and the Giants won that Super Bowl. And ever since then, you start seeing – you know, we talked about Lucas Van Ness potentially being that guy. Yes. But you, but if you, and I don't know, he's not that guy now because he doesn't have any pass rush rooms, quite right. frankly. <laughs> but different, different, maybe topic. But <laughs> when you look at the strength of this defense, you have to go. Defensive ends are pretty good. Outside linebacker, those guys are. It's a pretty good group. Mm -hmm. I want as many of them on the field as possible, and I would love to put Rashawn Gary in a situation where he's playing against like a rookie guard. A second, a second year guard who's a bad athlete. Like I would love to put him in those situations, and we're not. We just don't do it very often. We yeah. do it sometimes. Like we shoot, we 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 run quay sometimes. But you think about the complexity of like the Baltimore Ravens defense and what they're able to do. You look at the complexity of the the rush package for the Kansas City Chiefs right now and what they're able to do, mm -hmm. moving guys around, bringing guys off the slot, cat corners. Yeah, and Chris Jones in the Super Bowl going from interior to ex, you know, to the outside. Oh, he, had, he had a sack last week doing the exact same thing versus yeah. uh, versus uh, Russell Wilson. Yep. So, so uh, my my point is, it's I don't. It's not like you don't have the guys, and it's not like you don't have like the staff is going to be successful, but you have to make it like there has to be a decision, offensive, defensive, whatever. If we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year which we're, we're not, right? Expectations are always that you are, but so it's hard. To, it's easiest for us to say, 
um, as fans, as an organization, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is probably a rebuilding year. Like, they don't want to say that. But if it is, then own it. Put these guys in position. Like, start trying to put these guys in positions where they're taking advantage of their unique skill set. And then we have to see development, their ability to win their 1v1 matchups. You have to see improvement over the year. And I think, like, when you talk about frustration, I for me, that's the frustrating thing. Like, what are you tr- are you trying to hang on to the same stuff because you think it's going to get you to the Super Bowl, or are you going to try to develop these guys and be the best at what they're at, or are we going to try to find a scheme that fits into the the players that we have right now, or are we projecting we're going to pick up a couple guys later and so we can keep this? I just don't. You don't really know what they're trying to accomplish. I think defensively or offensively. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it's something global for sure. Uh, let me ask you this. This will be the final question, Mike. And, and it's kind of on the spot. Um, if you can answer it, great. But you're the OC. You just got hired in as the OC, right? You have full say in this offense. What's the first one, two, maybe three things that you're going to change right off the bat? What do you What do you do? Do you simplify the offense from a blocking scheme standpoint? Do you what? You got the floor. What do you do as the OC to come in and try to clean up this this offense for the Green Bay Packers? Uh, keeping the same personnel. I am going to, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to spread this team out. Yes, I'm going to spread them out because I want to run. I want to run against five and six man boxes. Yes, eleven personnel, uh, right? Yeah, I, I don't want to. Uh, I, I have a saying that I've overused, but it's it's if you can't dance, don't come to my party. <laughs> and and if you can't block, I don't want you in the game. Yeah. So if you're a tight end that can't block consistently, like if you're blocking percentages and over 85, 90%, I don't, I don't want you in the box. You don't need to be there because you don't do your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, and, and if, and if there's a whole side of the OC that like, you're the, also the head coach for the offense. So like, I got to wow. make sure my coaches are developing these players the right way. So I think that was probably, that'd be the number one thing I would do is I would make sure that the guys that I have underneath me are developmental coaches first. I don't care like this. I can hire Madden guys to run scheme. I want to hire developmental coaches. That's the most important thing for me. I want those players to think that if I stick with this team, I'm going to be the best version of me. They're going to put me in situations to be successful, but they're going to teach me how to find success. That's our number one thing. You want buy-in from these guys? You want them to play as hard as you can? That's the number one thing. The number two thing is I'm going to put them in 11 personnel. I'm going to run a lot of routes that are, that are, that are, uh, that are high low routes. They were Jordan. Jordan Love does what two things kind of well. He throws quick routes, quick outs on time. Yeah. And he throws he throws in cut routes or or curls or or high or, or high curls or like you know, the 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 twenty yard comeback in the middle of the field. Like he throws those well. Mm-hmm. He's not connecting on deep routes. He doesn't connect on deep outs that well. So like let's let's get rid of the stuff he's not doing great and let's work on it in practice. But let's continue to use the speed of Watson. I think Dobbs, Dobbs is a good uh, route runner. I think Jalen Reed is, presents unique op- advantages and opportunities for this team. I think bringing Aaron Jones into the passing game will have unique opportunities. And then obviously Luke Musgrave is a mismatch for whoever you put on him in the yep. passing game. You just have to put him in the right – like he's a Travis Kelsey. He's not a George Kittle. So let's just use him for what he's at. God, and then the other thing I would do, once you get into that situation, I would get – really really good at running uh in the uh, kind of inside middle zone out of an R, out of rpo looks i would get really good at running what we used to call 16 17 gap which is double teams guard pull you could back that up with the tight end coming across the formation and bring an extra man to the party in that situation because again that's that slip hook that we talked about earlier i would get really good at running weak side weak side and uh, strong side inside inside a middle zone and i would get i would be joe philbin used to have a screen drill that we would have to run during training camp we thought it was thought it was really funny i would become forensically detailed at running screens because you have a guy in aaron jones who's a phenomenal screen runner and you also have guys that they outside in jalen reed and christian watson that can take screens to the house if you get wide receivers to block properly so I, that's what i would do it, it make it as simple as possible we're going to we're going to use motion to to widen the defense so we can attack more vertical 
And then as, as Jordan Love gets more comfortable and improves, now we can start taking more shots. Christian Watson, look, at some point, Christian Watson is going to be so open, you can't miss him. He's going to be a Tyree kill. Yeah. There's going to be Tyree kill moments in the game where, you know, you see two as like, Everyone's going to it for MVP, and you're going, well, Tyree Kill's open by five yards like every play, guys. Like, I know, I mean, I'm not discounting how good two is, but let's be realistic about what we're seeing. So, you know, I, without overcomplicating it, I think for me, that does a couple things for you, Clayton. One, that gives your, your entire team a sense of direction and purpose. Yes. Two, you need to build confidence up. So, now your menu at the at the wide receiver position, the tight end position, is clear. You're going to become really good at running certain routes, and you're going to be able to run checks off that that your quarterback is going to be able to communicate with you, okay? So you're not going to have communication issues, and your quarterback's going to have the confidence in these sets that we're running. The second, maybe the most important thing for me is, from an offensive line's perspective, because you have to – you don't have – at any position is not good enough to win without a good offensive line in this in, in, on this football team. This isn't Joe Burrow. Right. This isn't the right. Bengals. If you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going anywhere. And you need this offensive line to get their technique needs to be automatic. It needs to be precise and it needs to be violent. And they are really none of those right now. And it's not that they can't get there and it's not that they're not good. They're just not as good as maybe we're used to seeing in the Green Bay Packers uniform. Okay. They're not as violent as TJ Lang. They're not as athletic as Chad Clifton. They're not as consistent as Marco Rivera, Mike Flanagan. They're just not. Yep. And they couldn't be there, but you have to put them in situations where they can continue to find success. And I don't know if you do that if you're constantly trying to just window dress everything and not really focus on the details of the sport. See, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly how I feel when I watch the tape. Is like there is all this. And you said it right there on your pod when you were breaking down the tape, Mike. You were, you were like – this is already on tape, Like you're not fooling anybody with this, you know, yeah. and, there, and there seems like there's more window dressing than there is just just a straightforward approach. And and I completely understand and respect what you said about the Niners, too. They've got they've got the horses to run it. Right. So it's a little bit different ball game in Green Bay. But what you said about Luke Musgrave, I think we would all agree he's the best tight end on this roster. Mm-hmm. It's not saying a whole lot. But, man, one if he can't block that well, which I think we would all agree, he's got a lot of work to do in the blocking game, then you can you can have the same effect by, by flexing him out. You know, we've seen it at the end of the game when they were in their kind of their no huddle, their, you know, their hurry up there at the end of the game. You're flexing him in that left slot. You're going wide flex there. And all of a sudden, things start to open up. And one thing I don't like about this Matt LaFleur offense is how condensed everything is with the tight splits, the, the nasty splits. It's just something that I got so used to McCarthy's offense, Mike. And, and it was different. Listen, you guys ran a very condensed set, right, when you played, right? But you you guys are out of the power eye with Kevin Barry, you 71, and you're just running the ball down people's freaking throat. And you had the dogs to do it. You had arguably the best running back in the league. You had you guys on the offensive line, one of the best offensive lines I've ever watched play. And I was, I was just kind of coming into watching pro football when I watched you guys play. But it was so much fun to watch you guys run power. Oh, my gosh, man. But you got to remember – well, so there's, there's two things you said. When we played the Baltimore Ravens, when the Baltimore Ravens had just won the Super Bowl, we ran the ball like eight times that game. We were, I, Brett threw it like 50 times. Really? We were like, we're like why, why try to run against these guys? Like, that's what they want us to do. So we so you spread them out you because you, they're going to play zone coverage back there. And we just and Brett just, uh, just absolutely tore them up. Wow. So you have to be able to do everything. Like, you have to be good at – You have to be – we ran 96 power load 16 times a game one year. <laughs> okay? So, when like, when we say it's already on tape, yeah, we don't we didn't care it was on tape because if you if you did anything – if you went zero, for example, to stop it, like, we knew you couldn't stop it because, again, we, could, we had Kevin Berry who could win his one-on-one on the edge. If, if you went zero, then we were just going to throw the ball to Javon Walker. Because it was one on one, and we're like, we'll take that all. In fact, we would throw it every single play if that's what they gave us. We would, and none of us would complain. Amon would have been like, "That's the right play," you know. You just you tr- you just trust because you have an. In other words, you have an answer, right. right? Sometimes with this stuff, you don't have an answer. The other thing is, as the OC, you talk about Luke Musgrave and and Tucker Craft and not being able to block. Yeah, listen, these guys do have to develop. This is their rookie year. Mm-hmm. What I would say is. 
this happened. This is this is a pervasive thing in the National Football League. Tight ends go with their tight end coach to learn how to block for tight ends. Tight ends need to go with the offensive line during individual period and learn how to block. I, I I've it I and I've, I've seen I could tell you some I could tell you some stories that would 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 make you question that we're not living in the matrix. <laughs> but with some of the techniques that I've seen tight end coaches give to tight ends on how to pass block, how to run. I mean, absolutely wow. horrifically awful because they, they don't, they've never been intimate in that way. Hmm. If you want to get a good running game, everybody that's involved in the running game has to be meeting together, has to be doing some sort of individual together. Right. And, and certainly instilling some sort of team run nine on seven, where they really are honing their skill set as a group needs like that's what needs to happen if you want to be really good at that stuff got it man mock we've kept you way over i'll tell you i could sit here and do this for two hours i know you're a busy man i thank you so much for your time um every time we talk you give me a different angle and and it never fails mike every single time i think here's what he's going to say and you steer off in the opposite direction and get, get me thinking in a, maybe, I, maybe a, I'm just wrong all the time. That's no, I doubt that. <laughs> That's a problem. I'll tell you this, everything you're saying on, on, on the block just makes so much sense to me. It's, it's, I mean, if you guys aren't following it and I'm sure you are, if you found this silly little channel, make sure you go on YouTube and go to process to perform. Okay. P R O C E S S the number two perform with a capital P subscribe to that YouTube channel. You're going to get the best, breakdowns especially in box breakdowns it's just it's my go-to channel follow him on twitter at mike wall 68 and uh, mike man i can't thank you enough it was short notice you're always awesome you got it thanks for having me on all right that's it guys we're gonna get out here we're gonna let mike get back to his day i know he's a busy man appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go the power sweep actually it's the it's the lead play on our